Hi, and welcome back to another Money Not Math episode. I appreciate you taking the time to watch or listen to this episode and hope it brings value to you on your retirement planning journey. If it does, please help me provide more value to more people by sharing this episode with a friend and leaving a comment or review. I love to help people have more confidence in their financial future. My mission is to provide the highest quality advice and service to clients possible. Therefore, I limit myself to 100 active clients or less at all times. Please reach out with retirement planning questions or requests for future Money Not Math topics at drew at fivestonefinancial.com. Remember, this content is not legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult a qualified professional regarding your personal situation. Thank you. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. So, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, thank you for your time. Why don't you uh, tell me, me and the, those who listen or watch this conversation a little bit about yourself? Uh, happy to. Happy to. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm uh, excited about it. Um, so let's see. I um, I usually start my story. Um, I got out of the, the U.S. Army. I served in the Army for um, five years in my much younger days and uh, went to work for a company that was collecting defaulted student loans on U.S. Uh, Department of Education contracts. They were a government contractor. That was a very interesting place to get an education. Learned uh, learned a lot about how government and private business and all of that interaction and, and the things that go on there. Uh, there's some stories there probably for another time. <laughs> That's, uh, I uh, left that company and had um, some money in an employee stock ownership plan and did some, some calculations and some soul searching and realized I really wasn't happy with my potential future tax situation. So I took those funds and invested in a, um, a little subdivision project in Southwest Washington, was building spec homes and so forth. Um, and uh, this was in about mid 2004, 2005. So I was about halfway through building my first spec home. And, uh, and of course, back then as the buildup with the housing bubble was, was uh, inflating and I had these appraisals with these five lots and was going to build these spec homes on them and it was going to be amazing and you know uh, the values were just going up 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 every time I had the appraisals done um, but I was about halfway through the first spec home in 2008 when uh, when everything started deflating and um, you know the economics is what pushed it over the edge obviously back then I had no idea what I was doing I made some big mistakes I tried to save the project and borrowed a bunch of money to keep it going and even though I could see what was happening you know that the, the values were just I had bare lots I couldn't have given away at that point. Um, and so anyway, that that project imploded spectacularly. And it was a real wake-up call for me. I'm grateful for the experience today, even though those were some dark times for me then, um, because it got me to start reading and studying and just consuming everything I could, mostly about finance, but also just about life. And, um, and so uh, that's what led me to discover a couple of concepts that I implemented in my own life um, around uh, using specially designed life insurance products and some things like that. Uh, but it, I was ready for a career change and uh, so got licensed, got some training and launched my practice in 2012 uh, to share some of the concepts I had learned with with others. Wow, that's and cool. So, I mean, that I appreciate your uh, your honesty and humility in that in that ex and that uh, explanation of yourself. A lot of people will gloss over the potential failure, but it sounds like you really just pivoted and made it really an, an opportunity to learn and, and kind of change your careers in a different direction. Um, I, as curious as I am to dive into going from real estate development to 
getting your investment or your licenses and starting a financial planning practice. Um, before we jump into the business side of things, I w- do want to get to know you a little bit more as a human being. Um, sure. What do you have to do for fun when you're not working? For sure. I love to talk about uh, about that part of my life for sure. I'm an avid, uh, the number one thing probably is I'm an avid sailor. And okay. um, a- around the time that everything was falling apart in my life, I started sailing. And, and so it was a real escape sort of from, from some of that. Um, but it's also, there's kind of a, in the sailing, um, in, in, there's kind of a culture, there's kind of a lifestyle that, that, that sailors kind of develop where you want to be out on boats and sailing to distant shores and, and doing some of these things. So, so part of my whole pivot with my career and everything was also built on this idea um, I was in corporate sales prior to this, um, and I had a a uh, a boss who's a who's a good friend today handed me the book The Four Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. At one well, point, yeah, great book, um, and it uh, it really had an impact on me from a standpoint of hey, you know what, I can kind of design whatever I want. I can you know I can make I can I can build whatever kind of lifestyle I want to build. Um, and so sailing became just more and more of a passion. And by, by the time I started my practice and, and, um, I should note that I started the practice as a virtual practice, um, all the way back in 2012, um, full-time virtual since about 2015. Um, and I did that specifically so I could be location independent. I could still serve clients. You know, I could do all, all the things that I wanted to do from a service standpoint. Um, but it gave me the ability to go down, um, I, I had a relationship with a friend in La Paz, Mexico, who owned a sailing school. And so I actually worked from La Paz. I spent about six months a year during the winter months. I'm, I'm from Washington State here in the Pacific Northwest. It is gray and wet here all winter <laughs> long. Um, so I, I went down to La Paz in the sunshine for those six months and um, and worked with the sailing school, teaching people how to how to sail and do long distance cruising. You know, a lot of people have a dream of, of retiring or taking a, a mini retirement, if you will, and jumping on a sailboat and sailing around the world. So I just got um, a huge, a huge fulfillment being able to help people with both sides. Right. I have the financial side that I work with clients to help them do that financially, but also teach them how to actually get on that boat and go do it and navigate and handle heavy weather and right all that kind of stuff so anyway that's my passion i'm still an avid sailor today although i'm not teaching sailing so much nowadays i'm um, pretty busy with my uh, financial planning practice that's wow that's really cool so you essentially spent years working i mean you said six months teaching and guiding sailing while you were building your financial planning practice Mm -hmm. down and did you were you always in mexico or just during those six months when you were doing the sailing side of things just during the six months. So I'd go down to Mexico usually around November and come back up here to to the Pacific Northwest in about April every year. And do you have a family that that affected in, from a standpoint or are you single during that time period? Or what did what did that look like? How did you balance all that? So that's another piece of the puzzle of this whole story, right, is when when everything kind of fell apart for me in the after the 2008 point, I mean, everything fell apart. Divorce, some teenage kids that, that were having some issues, uh, the investments fell apart. And I, I as mentioned, I was in corporate sales. So when that whole crash happened and the Great Recession hit, uh, the custom, my customers in my day job, the corporate sales job, you know, all of a sudden stopped buying. So my income decreased by about 50% from, from my day job. Um, so it was just like a really chaotic time personally. But again, uh, as, as, as terrible as those times were, I'm grateful for them today. 
because that's what got me to wake up. That's what got me to start studying and doing the introspection and working on myself to figure out what I had to become to succeed in life and to be happy and to pursue the life that I wanted to live. So it, it, with, without some of those uh, setbacks, maybe maybe I would have just continued on. And I don't know, I kind of refer to the years before that as, uh, as my zombie years, right? Where it was just <laughs> going through the motions, doing you know what everybody does and right. um, and not not really awake. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that perspective because I think I don't remember the perfect quote, but it's basically, you know, it's not failing as long as you keep getting back up. It's only failing if you stay down, right? It's that's called learning. And the best way to learn is to keep trying and trying and trying and, and learn and maybe you fall down, but just keep getting back up and things like that. So, I think that's I really do appreciate you sharing that, like I said. Um and the kind of the background of the fun and things like that. But diving back into the business, which is what we're we're here to do is have a conversation around money, not math and provide value to our mm -hmm. listeners or those who watch this. Um, so you do run a 100% virtual business. Is mm -hmm. that what I and is that nationwide? I'm guessing it's virtual. So it's it's US pretty much anywhere in the US. Is that true? Or do you focus on certain areas in the Washington area? What does that look like for you? So it is it is pretty much nationwide. I tend to focus in the Western United States, um, okay. you know, the, the Washington state, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, um, Utah, it's just kind of the, the states uh, west of the Rockies is where I tend to focus, although I have clients all over the all over the country. Um, so my um, a lot of my focus in terms of marketing and advertising is focused in the West. So that's where I generate uh, more local clients, if you will, local being Western U.S., Right. Yeah, it's more the word local is a lot uh, different than it used to be now that we have the ability yeah. to do <laughs> online meetings and kind of like yourself. I I was like partially online meetings, but a lot of in person driving four hours for one meeting uh, pre COVID mm -hmm. lock shutdowns. And then that almost just accelerated everyone having to learn. And now it's like, no, I pretty much do. I would say almost 50 50 online meetings. And if people live where I live, they can come in. But otherwise, let's just yeah. jump online rather than one of us having to drive for 30 minutes or more uh, just to see each other. So you work mostly in the Western area, but clients all around the country. Uh, what value do you intend to provide your clients? What is your focus point? What's your specialty? What's what's the value you're trying to provide? Yeah. So over the years, um, as I was having this journey of self-discovery, as I like to describe it, um, I did I did some work personally and spiritually, if you will, and um, I kind of went through an exercise over a period of months to refine and define um, core values. And the three top core values for me are freedom, adventure, and service. Right, those are the three things that that are kind of the cornerstones. And so in my practice, I, I my practice I think aligns with those values. And freedom is the number one on the list there. And I think that's really what um, what it's all about for me is to help people create freedom, whatever that means to them in their life. Because in, in a modern technological society like we live in, um, money and finance and how we handle that is a direct um, route to creating whatever kind of freedom it is we want. You know, for me way back when, it was the freedom to go get on boats and, and do that thing. But for somebody else, it could be something totally different. But whatever it is, it's that it's that sense or that emotion or the feeling you get when you know that you are, you're free. You're making choices because you want to make them, not because you're backed in or boxed into making them. And so I think that's really probably the, the most important thing to me when I work with clients is really digging into what do you want? What do you want to create? What do you want to create now, five years from now, when you retire, whatever the case may be, 
and 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 really understand what freedom means to them and how we can connect them to it. That's that's a great way of explaining that 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 hits home a lot really uh, strongly for me. Uh, I love that you brought up core values. That's something I think anyone who's going somewhere has to be really clear on because that's what guides you. Otherwise, you're just going to show up who knows where in 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, but like you said, the freedom that can mean anything for anyone. I know one of our one of my current clients is like seven years ago, they were struggling to sleep because of all the stress they had. And now they have the freedom to retire so that like you said, it could be the freedom to sleep. It could be the freedom to go sailing. It could be the freedom to whatever, but everyone has to define that for themselves. I think that's really, um, I like the way you look at that and tie that in both to something that means something to you, but also how you can relate that to your clients as well. And with that, in providing that value and helping them find their freedom, what is the background? I don't want to get super in the minutia of the insurance investment industry, but mm -hmm. are you a completely independent? You own your own company. So are you a completely independent advisor on the insurance investment with brokerages in multiple places? Do you have a re registered investment advisory company? Are you in mostly insurance based? What does that generally look like to you from a, what tools do you focus on and provide to your clients? And how do you have access to them? Is it through broker dealers? Is it through RIAs? Is it just one main company that you like to work with and specialize in? What? How does that work for you? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I do refer to myself as a life insurance product centric planning company, right? Where we do focus okay. on the life insurance products, um, specially designed whole life insurance contracts, fixed index annuities for, for income, um, those kinds of things. Um, so I, uh, I started out as an insurance licensed only agent you know, everything I did was 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 based on that. And then over the years, I've continued to expand. So I've passed the Series 65 Investment Advisors Law Examination. Um, I worked with an RAA firm for a short time. Wasn't a great match for me. So I'm actually, uh, my firm right now is under review with the Washington State Securities Department to, to, to be our own RAA. So my firm will be a, a registered investment advisor here as soon as that comes through. Um, excited about that. I've also completed the Chartered Financial Consultant designation program with the American College as a CHFC. So I'm a, a fiduciary advisor as well. Um, and in terms of uh, the investment side of things, I take a little bit different approach uh, with that in that I am life insurance centric. So those life insurance products are always going to play a role. And on the investment side of things, um, I can discuss and um, and help clients with the investment side, but I don't actually manage any investments. Um, I kind of have a philosophy that um, most people, not all, but most situations can probably handle a lot of that side themselves. Um, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a proponent on the investment side of the um, the index approach. And, you know, that that there's probably not much chance that we're going to beat the market. So best we can do is align with the market. And I think that makes even more sense when you tie in the life insurance products as part of that overall portfolio. And that's something I'm a big proponent of. Obviously, a lot of people, a lot of advisors in in the space that I work in are black and white. It's like insurance and nothing on the investment side or investments and nothing on the, on the insurance product <laughs> side. And I'm, I'm always on my soapbox going, it should be integrated, right? They, they shouldn't be one or the other. <clears throat> there are situations where both make sense and you should be able to integrate all these products together. That was a, a big surprise to me when I got into this uh, in 2012. I always imagined that there must be a great synergy 
between the investment world and the insurance world when it comes to planning and found out pretty quickly that that is not the case in, in many, you know, in many instances. Um, there's almost an adversarial thing there sometimes. And I, I think that's sad. It shouldn't be that way, right? We should all be able to work together. Um, you know, I don't specialize in investments, so why wouldn't I work with an advisor who does? Because they probably don't specialize in in insurance products, and it seems like it would be a great match. So I'm always on a soapbox about how we should be able to integrate these concepts together to get the best outcome for the client, right? That's what it's about. How do we get the best outcome for the client and create what they want to create in the in the safest safest way? You know, my my big thing is safety control passive income, right? That's what I'm, those are the, the three things I'm always trying to build. It makes complete sense. And I 100% uh, appreciate where you're coming from on that. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear more on, you said currently you don't do anything with investments, but you're in the process of opening your own RA. So are you going to start doing these with investments or is that just to give you that, I guess, option and fiduciary responsibility on the client's behalf or to get paid as an, as a, an advisor from an advisory standpoint for your time without actually managing assets. So what, I guess, what is the intention of opening your RIA even though you don't manage investments because that's kind of something that they do on the outside while you specialize in more of the custom build yep. or specifically build life insurance? So the way my RIA is going to be structured, is, again, is probably quite different than, than most of them are. And that is so... Um, I have some planning fees, a schedule of planning fees to build financial plans uh, that, that will be in place. But my approach is if I receive compensation from any other source like insurance products, I, I waive those fees. So um, so the only time there's a, a charge for a planning fee, that kind of thing, is it is in a situation where, um, you know, that that plan isn't implemented. Just, right. So just I, from a time, I call you, time standpoint. Right. So I called you and I want you to help me build a plan, but I don't end up doing anything with life insurance. All right. I paid you for your time. But if I do call you and I do something with life insurance that compensates you, hey, don't need to pay me twice. Just I got Correct. paid from life insurance. So let's move on. Okay. That makes complete. That makes sense. And that's exactly. that's one of the options that we offer as well as you know, the asset center management model, you have the paying for the plan model, you have paying for time. You know, there's different options for that. So I appreciate you ex ex uh, explaining that. More importantly, going back to the other part of what you talked about with financial advising, I love what you said about it's about getting what's best. It's about getting the best outcome for the client, right? And, and you said it perfectly. I've talked to people and I've worked alongside people who investments only, insurance is a waste of time. I'll self-insure by building wealth through investments. Well, if you only have five grand in your Roth IRA and you don't have life insurance and you die, sorry, that's not very great self-insurance, right? On the flip side, I've talked to people <laughs> on the insurance side that, you know, insurance always insurance only investments are too risky. You should never do them. The market's bad. You know, look at look at all the bad times. That's why you shouldn't use it. Um, mm -hmm. So I completely agree. It's, it's a synergy and a balance of not okay, who can I sell this to? It's okay, what does the client need? Where can I get access to that tool? And I think that flip in the m mindset is extremely, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I'm glad we're in alignment with that when it comes to just finding the best outcome for our clients, not just finding people to sell something to. For sure. And it, and it part of it too comes down to what 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 the client's trying to achieve, right? Um, I focus a lot on passive income, passive income, passive income, right? Don't focus on capital gains, focus on income. Um, and so if I've got if I've got a client whose goal is to become a real estate investor and they want to save their cash and build their cash in a way that they can invest in real estate and create cash flow from rentals, right? If that's their thing, that's what they want to pursue, then 
there are tools that are better suited for that approach than others. If I've, if I've got another client who just really wants to build towards a retirement that's 20 or 15 or 20 or 25 years down the road, well, there's another set of tools that's probably better for that scenario. And so it's a matter of just matching the right tool up with the right, with the right approach. And that's Absolutely. different for every, every individual. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my, one of the first mentors I ever had when I got into this business almost 10 years ago was uh, said something along the lines of, if your only tool is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. <laughs> so <sure. laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting with that. So um, we could, sounds like we, we could probably talk all day, but I don't want to keep you all day. So uh, I'll move on a little bit here. You touched on a little bit, but I just want to make sure I give you the opportunity to explain if you didn't already say what you wanted to say about how and why you started your business. So I know you kind of had, you know, you had a pivot point in your life there, but is there anything that you didn't already say that you'd like to touch on on the how and the why of starting your business? Um, maybe, maybe a little bit. I know it, it seems like I'm uh, having a recurring theme here, but um, when I started my practice, I, 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 the first year I really fell flat on my face. Um, you know, I didn't, didn't really know what I was doing. And, and from a particularly what I learned is that um, the most important thing in the financial services practice is knowing how to market. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I had this idea that I had being in sales for many, many years, I had like this Rolodex of, of contacts. And I had this idea that that would just sustain me until I got it kind of up and running. And that was a dead wrong. Um, so it took me a little bit to figure out, okay, so only about half of what I do is the actual financial services part. The other half is is how you get people's attention. Um, and so that was a huge learning curve. So that that's kind of the how, right? Um, I guess, I, I, you know, the, the theme here is resilience. Things are never going to go the way you think they're going to go. And you just have to be able to keep going, get back up keep going, get back up, keep trying. Um, so I, I like to think one of my strongest characteristics is resilience. I'm just resilient. I just, you know, I'm just going to keep going. Um, and so eventually it, it, you know, figured it out. It worked out. Um, in terms of why I think I've talked about that a bit, I was ready for, I was ready really what it came down to is I felt for so many years I worked, I was very good in a, in a job that I had zero passion for. I could care less. I was selling, you know, industrial supplies um, through uh, throughout the, the country, and I could care less about those products. But I was good at it. I made good money. And it was a it was a it was a good career, so to speak. But I had it didn't mean anything to me. And so I was really ready to go do something that meant something to me that not just meant something to me, but that had value to the people I was serving. And so that's probably my my most uh, the greatest thing. I've loved every single day of this since I started it, and I continue every day I get up and I just love going to work, helping people better themselves and better their lives. It, it's uh, super fulfilling. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And the resilience thing, I think anyone and everyone should hear that more and more often. It's I don't think any of us can talk about it, hear it, or believe it enough. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I think is rare that it, when maybe I missed it, but for me in my career and most of the people I know that enter the financial services industry, usually you join up with a big company first and then maybe start your own company eventually. I know for me, I started with a you know 100 person company in the Twin Cities. Uh, I'm, I'm from Minnesota. For those who didn't already catch on that, I would. But uh, and then we went uh, transitioned to more of like a 10 person company. And then now it's my business partner and I run a two person, basically a two person company that will be expanding in the future. But for you, it sounds like you basically just day one started your own company. Is that accurate? 
And if so, yes. how did you come to do that rather than the normal like big company first? Um, so it's sort yeah. of accurate. That's that's kind of an interesting story too. That so that um, there was a, a gentleman, a mentor that I that I worked with early on in in setting up my own plan, my own um, whole life policies, and so forth. And so I actually came in um, as a sub advisor with him. And no sooner than I was getting started, he quit. Oh, <laughs> so he so he was so he was Welcome gone. To the party. Right? I'm leaving. See you later. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so so it didn't it wasn't really intended to be that way, but suddenly there I was. Um, I know I'm not going to quit. So uh, you know, just kept figuring it out. Now I, I also had some mentors um, through an organization that I was part of with him uh, so that there were some senior advisors but none of them in my local area so i did have some mentorship and and that and, and some direction and some oversight um at the beginning from from a distance but i did you know i did have that to plug into fortunately so i wasn't completely on my own but but yes it was uh, it was more or less a sink or swim moment wow well good for you i mean that's that's impressive it would have been a lot easier to run away and hide after you're the person that you were supposed <laughs> to be learning from just left the party there. So yeah, now that we know where you've come from and, and you're in the process of building, getting, building your own RIA, where do you want to go in the next five years? Where do you want your business to look like five years from today besides, you know, adding the RIA that we already touched on? Uh, you know, I just uh, want to keep helping more and more clients. That's that's really what it comes down to. I've, I've got a particular message and I want to keep getting that message out to as many people as I can uh, and helping them create the lives that they want to create. So I just want to see this continue to expand um, I because I've traveled a lot over over the past 10 years or so. Um, I'm a one man show for the most part. Um, my my wife is is my assistant and the two of us just kind of kind of run the practice. Um, so I, I see that changing over the next five years, maybe bringing on some uh, some additional agents that I can start training and teaching some of these concepts and um, I'm helping them get their practices going and, and that kind of thing. So that's where I think it, it probably goes over the next five years is is expanding that way. Cool. But still staying virtual, never like having a brick and mortar store that people come into. Yeah, I'm 100 percent committed to the virtual to the virtual concept. Yeah, it's definitely valuable. I mean, I, I would argue that virtual isn't the same as in person. There is still that connection you get from sitting across the table from someone having coffee, but it's a heck of a lot better than having to drive a long distance or not meet period. Right. I don't think you'd have been driving to northern Minnesota or I'd be driving to the West Coast today to have this right. conversation. So it's definitely helpful and advantageous in many ways. Um, so I know I'm, it's not, there's been many of them, but if you had to just pick one, what's the best financial lesson you've learned, whether it's through the successes or the challenges of your career so far? Uh, financial education, learn. You've got to learn, and that means books, blogs, and nowadays videos, uh, podcasts, right? Um, you've just got to consume them for all you can with one caveat, and that is I talk a lot about marketing messages. Um, and so we have to be super careful with marketing messages. It's they're all around us. They bombard us every day. And so we don't want to make decisions based on somebody's marketing messages, including my marketing messages. Right. Don't don't decide something's good or bad based on whatever marketing you're hearing, um, because there's all kinds of messages out there that say these products are bad and these products are good or this is the right way. This is the wrong way. And and all of that is just marketing. You know, I tell a story a lot about Thomas Edison. 
um, the inventor of the light bulb, right? And uh, kind of an American hero. And in 1903, he was filming himself electrocuting live animals, right? Wow. And it's like, why in the world would a guy like Thomas Edison be doing that, right? Well, it just so happens that in 1903, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla were in a head-to-head -head battle over what was going to get installed in the Niagara Power Station, the new, the new dam at Niagara Falls that was going to produce electricity. Tesla was the inventor of the AC generator. Edison was a DC proponent and had huge investments in the DC apparatus for direct current electricity. So it was a marketing message, right? He was he was staging these macabre displays on camera as a marketing message to convince people that AC electricity was too dangerous to use because he was using AC to electrocute these these animals. Um, and so that's what it boiled down to is just a marketing message. Now, is right. AC electricity too dangerous? Probably not. The whole world runs on it today because Tesla <laughs> ultimately won that won that battle. Um, but but that's my point is this continues to this day. Right. People people will will do and say things as a marketing message that are um, emotionally triggering because they're trying to get you to believe something and you just have to drown it out. Right. You got to shut the noise off and do your own analysis. Think critically. Look at look at, you know, it's more than just math as, as your 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 show <laughs> hits on all the time. Yep. Um, but it is also math. Right. Look yep. at the numbers. Look at what you want to accomplish. You know, it, it just analyze things rationally and and make decisions based on that, not based on marketing messages. But but consuming information, that education piece is by far the most critical thing. Yeah, it's well said because uh, I was as you were talking about that, I was even thinking about that like my own tagline, money not math. I'm not saying math's bad. Like I, I, I was good at math. I like math. I'm still, I still utilize it. However, math does not equate to life, right? Mm -hmm. Planning around your life and money is not the same thing as just doing math. So that's the whole premise of this conversation. But you're right from a marketing standpoint. I love it. I've I've actually, ironically, I, I used to coach squirt hockey, which is about 10-year-olds. And I actually got in a debate with one of my players. Not I wasn't debating, but he was. I was kind of having fun with it because <laughs> he was adamant that math is way more important than money because he's in school and everyone needs to know math where they don't really talk about money yet and at 10 years old. And I'm just... I was joking with him about, well, you can get a lot further in life with money than you can, even if you don't know how to do math, because you can pay, pay other people to do the math. But the point is, if you get too locked in on one piece of the part and you ignore everything else, you might be missing out on the most important part. Or if you don't critically think, you might be believing something that's not even true. Um, mm. And I agree with everything you said about consuming information with my added caveat of make sure you understand the source of the information. There's a lot of financial advice out there being sold by people that have no license to be giving it. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. they're wrong necessarily, but would you take neurosurgical advice from someone who doesn't have neurosurgical licenses, right? Would you go and get heart surgery from a, a, someone who's not a doctor? And that's kind of where I always challenge people of like definitely learn, but be aware of the source of what you're learning from. And I think is again, hopefully that's not in complete disagreement with what you said. I think that was kind of what you're saying about being critically thinking. Um, but I agree completely. So it's sort of the same question, but just in case it's a little bit different, that was your biggest lesson you've ever learned in your life. Now, what would be the one piece of advice you would give everyone? Is it still the learning aspect or is there something else maybe within that that you'd like to touch either more specifically it's, on or separate from? It's related to the learning aspect. Um, 
and and it's and you know you asked me about the number one lesson in my life and i said you know education financial education because had i had financial education i could have avoided some of these pitfalls that they ran into so related to that though with with advice that i would give to somebody listening to this is do something take action right if if you if it's ed, financial education you need right now get on you know get on amazon get on your kindle or your audible and order a book you know, do, do something right now, take action today and then keep taking action. Right. We, we can't sit and think and analyze forever. we got to we have to move. We have to do things. Very well said. I love that. Uh, with that, what is your definition of being successful? Uh, if I could sum it up in one word, it's it's happiness. That's what we all want. Right. We want to have a happy, fulfilled, joyful life. So I, I think it's just being happy. What does it take to be happy? That's awesome. And, and I'm guessing and that's a loaded that's a loaded question. But what does it take to be happy? I love that you said that, though, because I will admit when I asked that, I was fully expecting you to say freedom because that's what you touched on earlier. But tying it in and, and please correct me if I speak incorrectly about what I've heard today. But happiness does not come from money. Money mm -hmm. is a tool to be free and do what you, and have the freedom to choose things that will then make you happy, right? So I think that's an extremely important point that I think that you touched on a lot today. And I, I try to always impress upon people is the amount of money you have or make does not equal happiness. It's what it's just a tool to do the things that will hopefully make you happy. And I remember the most impactful thing I've ever learned was my psychology class in college years ago. So the numbers aren't accurate anymore, but they had done a study that proved that once you, uh, um, someone in America started making over $77,000, they didn't increase happiness by making more money. They're, in fact, there's mm -hmm. diminishing returns. And the suicide and depression rates in the top 1% were significantly higher than the middle class. So that that at that time, I thought success equaled money. And I'm like, wait a second. If more money doesn't equal more happiness, like what? where is this coming from? So I, I love that you didn't say freedom, which I was expecting. You said happiness mm -hmm. and then kind of tying that all in together. So hopefully I heard everything you said today right in my kind of sum, summation there. But I so, think so. Perfect. So wrapping things up, I don't want to keep you all day here, but is there anything about yourself, your business that we haven't covered yet that you'd like to share with our audience today? Uh, you know, I, I think we've covered a, a lot. Um, so I think this is a great spot to wrap it up. You know, I've, I've shared uh, a lot about me and where I came from and, and my business and how where we are today. So, you know, it was a great interview. Thanks, Drew. Absolutely. You're welcome. And John, thank you for your time. For anyone who wants to, you know, learn more about you or connect with you or contact you, what's the best way to look you up, find you, get in, get in contact? Yeah, so the best way to reach me is through a landing page I have set up. It's called jumponwithjohn.com. Um, it's John with an H, J-O-H-N. So jump on with john.com and that will uh, give you an opportunity to grab a spot in my calendar and we can have a conversation. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. With that, I'll uh, wrap things up and hope everyone had a great day. As always, thanks for taking the time to watch and or listen to this Money Not Math conversation. If you have specific questions for myself or John Ensley after this uh, regarding your financial planning conversation or requests for future Money Not Math conversations, uh, please reach out and let me know and hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye.